0: Welcome back to the Health Call Radio Hour. If you've got a question, you don't have to give blood to get the answer. Just drop us a line on the Health Call website at healthcall.live. That's healthcall.live. Or message us on the Health Call Facebook page. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent Lee Kelso.
1: In our first half hour today, you heard how fructose may be a cause of Alzheimer's disease, but there is much more going on right now in the fight against this soul-stealing condition that's well worth knowing about, including a new drug and new ways to identify who should take it. The drug is called lecanemab. It is the first drug that Medicare has agreed to pay for, which is thought to slow Alzheimer's in its tracks. It's very expensive, very controversial. One of the challenges is finding patients early enough in their march through dementia that the prevention is worth the cost and the risk. At the Brigham and Women's Children's Hospital Alzheimer's Research Center, they're using a phone tree system, a phone menu system, to measure how well your brain handles the practical challenges of daily life. Dr. Gad Marshall has been involved in Proving that proteins in the brain are linked to your score on this phone tree test. And then how that could lead to eventually an app that allows you to test for early signs of dementia. Listen to how well it works and the impact he expects these new drugs could have for all of us. And so what we do here uh, is um, we developed a a phone task
2: where the individual navigates a phone menu uh, to perform a, a number of tasks. Refilling a prescription, uh, calling a primary care uh, physician—sorry, calling a health insurance company to select a new primary care physician—things of that sort. Uh, The scores that we get are more nuanced, um, and so we we can detect very early changes uh, in daily functioning. That's that's the idea behind uh, this assessment, uh, and we've done several studies uh, to
1: validate it. Yeah. So in other words, how many mistakes I make, how long I am delaying and making choices in this in this phone task, phone tree tasks. Those kinds of factors are clues. And you then confirm that, yes, the phone test is an accurate way. People with elevated levels of these proteins do score more poorly.
2: Correct. Uh, And so especially for the more complicated tasks, we saw that relationship uh, in these individuals.
1: So where does that lead us then? What does that tell us about how we could use this smartphone in the future?
2: The idea here is that we'd be able to uh, detect uh, very early changes in daily functioning in people who don't have symptoms yet uh, of Alzheimer's disease but have evidence of pathology. The advantage here is, is of uh, collecting this early on and being able to understand uh what what the changes are in their
1: functioning so is you're thinking that uh i would if i'm concerned i load a cell phone app onto my on my device and periodically test myself and the scores then are reported someplace and i get an assessment that way
2: well so this particular test just to clarify uh is not an app it's using a regular phone we do have a new assessment that uh, is using a smartphone that uh, is in fact an app and we can uh, measure them over time to see if there is a change uh, in your daily functioning. Uh, they are currently in the research setting. They're not being used clinically. Um, if we, uh, you know, are able to look at these in a, a multi-center study where uh, we can see that uh, they're still rel- they're reliable in terms of um, how uh, they perform in such a setting, I think we will be able to move to potentially the clinical setting. Uh, And this is something that could be self-completed, correct. And so uh, you could uh, get an idea of how you're doing over time. Certainly, uh, if you have a primary care physician who um, uh, does not have the expertise of assessing your daily functioning uh, or the time, sadly, uh, then uh, this is something you could uh, perform on your own and then provide uh, the scores to the provider uh, who can discuss them with you.
1: When I talk to people about Alzheimer's and their concerns, many times they ask okay so i know if i just sort of forget where i put my keys that's not a big deal can you tell me what is a big deal what are we talking about here in terms of behaviors that should be warning signs or triggers of concern the
2: key changes are uh, consistent changes that are getting worse over time and so if every now and then um, you forget something either misplace an item uh, or forget a name or forget a word Uh, Generally, that's not something that we're as concerned about. If you walk into a room and you forgot why you walked in there, it's not something we're as concerned about. On the other hand, uh, if you do consistently forget recent events or details of such events, you forget to pass on messages that were given to you, you start repeating yourself more often, you are getting lost in uh, locations that are pretty familiar to you, Uh, you have difficulties managing say your medications because you have a new medication, you just forget to take it because you're only used to your routine. These are a variety of examples of things that could be more concerning and could be uh, suggesting uh, suggestive of uh, decline that uh, needs to be addressed.
1: Yeah, I, I heard one example. Uh, it's not forgetting the car keys that's the worry. It's forgetting what the car keys do and how to use them. That's, that's the more significant concern.
2: Yeah, certainly. I mean, that, that uh, level of procedural memory difficulty is right, uh, certainly much more concerning if you have that uh, difficulty.
1: So now we're at the cusp of approval of a couple of new drugs that are designed to call my body's attention to these proteins in the brain. They're calling the immune system to come into the fight. And so, one of the big challenges with identifying people who are able to receive these medications is who is eligible? How are we going to determine that criteria? Um, What's your thinking on how that's all going to play out in the next year or so as these meds just now get FDA approval?
2: It will, will uh, really change the landscape of uh, how we uh, treat uh, patients with Alzheimer's disease. Uh, it is a very different type of uh, drug from what we're used to. It is not a pill. It's and uh, in, it's infused through an IV, uh, This in this case, every two weeks. It requires a lot of monitoring. Uh, for safety uh, with repeat MRI scans, making sure you don't have uh, side effects that sometimes are only noted on MRI scans. And there are also um, uh, more uh, elements in terms of determining who's eligible, as you've suggested. So it is not purely based on the clinical assessment as we've uh, typically done with the prior medications that have been approved. We actually need to know that you have an abnormal amount of amyloid in your brain because that is in fact what these uh, drugs are targeting Um, and we know that at the stage that they're targeting of either mild cognitive impairment or mild dementia, we combine that population, only about 65% of individuals have the elevated amyloid in their brain, and so we need to have a test for that done before we proceed, Um, and that can be done either with one of those PET scans, which currently is not covered by insurance yet by Medicare, although there is a push for Medicare to cover it now that there will be a drug that influences uh, amyloid, uh, or alternatively doing a spinal tap and looking at the spinal fluid. Not a straightforward uh, direction, but encouraging in terms of knowing that there is a way to put, potentially slow down the progression, and maybe this will open it up to either more effective drugs in the same class or maybe combining them with other drugs, targeting other pathologies in the brain that then will give us a, a better effect altogether.
1: I'm sure you've been intimately involved in watching this research, if not conducting it yourself. How much of an improvement are you detecting in patients? We're not detecting an improvement with these
2: drugs. We're seeing a slowing of decline. So that is a difference from the prior drugs that have been approved. In this case, we see a modest slowing of decline. In particular, with laketamab, we see across the different tests that were done, about a 30% chance of, uh, sorry, about a 30% slowing of decline over time, over 18 months uh, was the duration of, of the trial. That could be also interpreted as about a six to seven month uh, uh, period of gaining, uh, or I shouldn't say gaining, but uh, not, not uh, losing ground as much over those six to seven months. So not, not necessarily a, a slam dunk, but, but does
1: give you something. So if you are the person with Alzheimer's, yes, of course, something is better than nothing. It's going to be several months before the final protocols for screening, approval, and treatment are all settled. And then once you start taking these drugs, you're going to have to go for injections every two weeks, plus periodic brain scans to monitor for inflammation and other side effects. So yes, it's progress, but I sort of wonder how many patients are going to undergo all this length of treatment. This new drug is the first in a series expected to earn approval, but the real rockstar medication, the one everybody wants, the one that does more than slow progression, reverses Alzheimer's, now, that one's not even on the horizon yet. Artificial intelligence is getting into the picture with the help of the University of Alberta. They're training machines to tell whether you may be in the early stages of dementia just by listening to your voice. How does it work? And why could it have some people adding another layer of tin foil to their hats? Well, we'll take a look at that at what may be coming down the road in the future next on the Health Call Radio Hour.
0: This is the Health Call Radio Hour, where treatments are always free, the stethoscope is never cold, and you don't have to wear an exam gown. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso.
1: These are exciting days in the fight against Alzheimer's and dementia. Lots of people are working to fight it and even predict who is most at risk. There's a new study, for example, that shows if your cholesterol levels go up and down through large cycles in your lifetime, you are at increased risk. Another study shows chronically high blood pressure poses a risk. The FDA recently issued the first approvals for a new family of drugs that actually use your immune system to try and fight Alzheimer's. Now, they don't reverse dementia, so it's too late for those already struggling against this condition but they are the first medications clinically proven to slow it down, delaying progression and brain damage. The key is these drugs have to be taken just as soon as possible, as soon as there's any evidence of Alzheimer's. And that is the tricky part. It is devilishly hard to spot the earliest signs of Alzheimer's and get a firm diagnosis. Zara Shaw at the University of Alberta It's part of a team that trained artificial intelligence to listen to the voices of those known to have dementia and then learn how to spot symptoms by listening to the voices of others. It's cool technology, yes, but man, I see creepy consequences on the horizon.
3: It's it's very interesting. Speech can be used uh, as uh, as kind of a window into the into the mind, so to speak. Uh, we were actually given a training set of uh, spontaneous speech of individuals, both uh, that were diagnosed with dementia uh, as well as uh, healthy controls. Um, And uh, these people were uh, actually describing a a picture. They were given this picture description task. Uh, So we have like two, two and a half minute uh, audio clips from each of these individuals. Um, And we were also provided the labels uh, telling us which are dementia patients and which are healthy controls. Uh, So our our hypothesis was that dementia patients would be, um, would Would show would demonstrate uh, longer pause uh, pause durations. Um, So sort of while they're
1: while they're searching for the next word or how to carry that thought forward, they might stretch out those pauses a little bit.
3: That's right. So their recall is is potentially not as uh, as uh, as developed as uh, healthy controls, and Mm -hmm. so that's uh, that would show up in the pause distributions of within these speed samples. Um, A second uh, feature set that we used was uh, speech complexity. Um, so the idea was to, um, to see how long each word is spoken for, um, and that would be a proxy for the, the, the complexity of that word. And so if a longer word is spoken, we assume that it's a more complex word as opposed to the shorter words. And, um, and so the idea here is, again, that uh, for dementia patients, we would expect uh, the word durations to be smaller uh, compared to healthy controls. That was our second feature set. Uh-huh. Um, and then the third feature set was uh, of speech intelligibility. So again, we used the ASR transcripts um, and we looked at the word confidence scores uh, for each word that is generated by the model. Um, and the idea being that uh, dementia patients might have uh, more slurring or stuttering within their speech. And so the ASR model with, will have lower confidence scores compared to healthy controls.
1: You had all these samples mm-hmm. and ran it through your algorithm. Mm-hmm. How accurate were you in being able to define those patients who had di- had already been diagnosed with dementia?
0: Our
3: five-fold cross-validation accuracy was uh, uh, roughly 75%.
1: It doesn't matter what language, when you feed the machine, the computers with this data, all those same pauses the way they use words all those things mm-hmm. it it's across all
3: languages that is what was incredible to us as well so now uh, within the uh, so like i said the 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 accuracy we found within our training set which was purely English was 75%. Uh, when we tested on the Greek test set, it dropped down to 70%, roughly 70%. But still, I mean, given that it was um, uh, it was a completely different language and we did not have access to the transcripts as well, we were only looking at these features that we derived from the speech samples. Um, it's it was better than we all expected
1: that is remarkable okay so now you've got a model that can detect symptoms of dementia uh, i'm assuming very early in life where does it go from here how might this be used
3: so there's a, um, a, a plethora of applications that you can think of. This particular technology can be used for monitoring um, somebody's progression uh, as a dementia patient, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that, uh, that really excites us because we think about how expensive at the moment Alzheimer's dementia detection is. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about brain imaging, you consider uh, clinical, like, long face-to-face clinical interviews that happen uh, that go in the diagnosis of dementia. Um, and thinking of dementia as a degenerative disease, you would expect uh, that there would be you know um, regular monitoring and that would be useful in this particular scenario. Uh, we, we think of this more as a supportive tool rather than as a standalone diagnostic tool. That is something important to consider because you, we, we're not trying to replace the clinician here. There mm-hmm. is very much the need of a clinic to uh, to add uh, to you know uh, do follow up exams, uh, but at the very first uh, point of care triaging sort of uh, thing, uh, this this speech uh, analysis would be very beneficial.
1: Amazing. So let me screw on my tinfoil hat here and yes. uh, be a little concerned about this technology. So it, I mean, technically, it's possible, for example, that. Alexa could be listening and say, oh, by the way, you might be on path to a problem, right?
3: I mean, for sure, there are there are two sides to every coin. Right. So you think about um, uh, you think about privacy issues, ethics issues. These things uh, do come up with uh, whenever we talk about these kind of technologies. Um, But, you know, I think of um, I think I think of the genie as being out of the bottle anyway (laughs) by now, you know, it, it it's not really something that can be prevented. It's definitely something that should be regulated for sure. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, I think about uh, the fact that these technologies are uh, are so rapidly evolving, is all the more reason for greater awareness and greater research within these these areas. Um, and given that uh, you know we're we're doing we we're, we're trying to do these uh, develop these technologies for the social good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's. I think that's something that uh, we all need to be aware of.
1: Yeah, just uh, let your imagination run for a minute on that one. How about we monitor the cockpit voice recorders for signs of dementia among airline flight crews? Think of all the things, all the gadgets that are out there that are capable of listening to us today. Wouldn't be hard for somebody to grab an audio file and then screen it for dementia. Maybe one day soon, checking for suicidal or violent tendencies. Who knows? This does raise a number of issues that we have yet to consider, but if a quick and simple screening tool would give you early warning of dementia, and that's the first step toward medication that would take the foot off the gas for Alzheimer's, would you do it? Yeah, I probably would. If you are research-minded and you want more details, visit the Health Call website for extended video versions of our conversations with Zara Shaw and Dr. Gad Marshall, researchers out there on the leading edge of the battle against Alzheimer's. And while you're out there on the website, leave your email address and I'll send you one message a week. It has sort of a preview of what's on the broadcast. We'll see you next week here on the Health Call Radio Hour.
0: You've been listening to the Health Call Radio Hour. The discussion of conditions and treatments on this program is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment by a healthcare professional who knows you and your health needs. Find the podcast of today's episode wherever you get your podcasts or watch extended video versions of today's interviews on the Health Call website at healthcall.live. While you're there, drop us a line to ask a question or suggest a topic for a future broadcast. Join us each week on this station for another edition of the Health Call Radio Hour. Podcasts by Federated Media.